0: Yesterday, we looked at the three biggest surprises so far in the Phoenix Suns season. On today's episode of Locked On, Suns, what are the three things to look for the rest of the way? On the court, off the court, big picture, granular, we'll break it all down on today's show. Let's go. You are Locked On, Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. One more day until Suns Basketball. Appreciate you spending the day here, starting your day here. We are free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So just hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you are finding this show. Get a new episode in your feed every single Monday through Friday and become an everydayer. Get locked onto the Phoenix Suns all year long right here on this very show. Joining us today is Stephen Perjone. He is a writer over at Bright Side of the Sun, at PHNX, does some podcasting, has a YouTube channel, great Twitter follow, previous guest of the show, although I think that was preseason, which uh, is a Just goes to show you that time absolutely flies during the NBA season. But we are going to break down three things to watch down the stretch of the season. We're going to go back and forth, each of us, give our three, and talk through all of them. Hopefully give you a great preview of the stretch run of the Sun season. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, though. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any Winning $5 bet, that's $150 straight to your account if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Steven, you are the guest, so let me give it to you first here. What is the first thing that you have your eye on down the stretch of the Suns season?
1: I think the first thing that can kind of be a quick hitter is the Suns and their shot profile and figuring out how many attempts are they getting up on average post-All-Star break from deep. The shot quality being generated from those, as in, is it isolation created? Is it off of passing, just one pass away? Is it off of movement and getting the defense rotating and then making that pass to create the opportunity? Uh, Just in the general volume, uh, looking at that, they're 26th in the league at the moment in three-point attempts uh, on the season as a whole. That number has to get inside of the top 20, in my opinion. That's going to take some work. But they certainly have the pieces that garner the type of attention that should generate the type of looks and shot quality that Frank Vogel and company were like from the backside.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny to me because I was poking around at some of this yesterday and I've seen a lot of people get a little frustrated with Vogel that in preseason and a lot of coaches say the right types of things about like modern shot profiles. And then you look up and not everybody's going to get there. And Mm -hmm. I, I know Vogel emphasized shooting a lot of threes I don't really blame him personally. I do think it's just a matter of the ball movement being better. And now that the role players, I think, have a little bit more confidence, not that the guys who were playing now have more confidence. It's just confident guys are now playing instead of less confident guys, like we saw with some of the young dudes who were passing up those shots. I think those things will trend in the right direction. Is there something specific, though, that you feel like from the from deep that has to happen to to get this team there something one particular thing or do you think it is just kind of reps
1: uh, I would say it might be it might be a little more so two things than just one I think the first of which is the non big 3 paint touches and that's the self created drives by Grayson Allen a lot of times when he staggered with the big 3 he's going to be able to to go up against a less than superior um defensive player let's just keep it Nicely and said that man in that manner, yeah. he's able to, he's a very good driver and he doesn't always need the defense to be put in scramble mode by one of the big three to get those opportunities. And when he's doing that, that by nature is allowing for the big three that now play off of a rotation versus them always setting the table. So being able to get those looks generated from Grayson Allen, but also from Eric Gordon, from Yusuf Nurkis with his post touches and his elbow touches. And then also players like that is young and, um, uh, Royce O'Neal as well being able to chip in in those same manners, whether it be that off of the elbow and post, or Royce O'Neal getting past his initial defender. And the other way I'm thinking about them being able to get more of those looks is potentially seeing a starting lineup change. That Nets Grayson Allen coming off of the bench in addition to Eric Gordon. So now you have two offensive-minded players that can get up the three-point attempts that you need, staggered a little bit more. Uh in a balanced manner with the big three over the course of the rotation in 48 minutes. I think that'll help tweak it a little bit as well.
0: Yeah, balance it out a little bit more. I think that's that's absolutely fair. So one of the things that's funny though is when you look at it, the Suns and the Mavs are the only two teams in the NBA that are in the top 10 in accuracy from everywhere on the court. Mm-hmm. And the Suns have been this funny thing all season where their shot diet actually does feel kind of similar to the Chris Paul years, but they're just making from everywhere. And that's been, I think, what's really helped them. They're obviously a good offensive rebound and free throw team, which which helps just kind of pad your floor as an offense. But yeah, I, I think in terms of keeping up with a lot of the teams that they're going to have to keep up with even in this tough stretch schedule-wise down down the regular season. But obviously, of course, in the playoffs, they're going to have to put up some of those more valuable shots more consistently, otherwise they're going to be at a disadvantage. My first one is, how much small ball do we see? Because the Suns' additions... At the deadline, and obviously with Thad Young, who still hasn't signed officially, which is a little weird, but he did tweet out today a goodbye to Toronto, even though he was waived like two weeks ago now. It's been a little weird. I still expect nothing outside of the ordinary to happen there, just flagging that for the listeners. But those two guys make those lineups easier to get to, right? And having Durant makes somebody like Thad Young more playable, in my opinion, than maybe even he was in Toronto, because there's a- another fide big defensive difference making forward big combo guy like Durant there not just that having to kind of anchor that whole thing which defensively maybe he can't do anymore so they have more options but this is another thing I talked about in the surprises episode yesterday Stephen is it is matchup dependent but Nurk is very valuable to this team so I guess my big question is like is do we get to a point where Durant at the five is the the main thing, do we ever get to a playoff series where that's like playing more minutes than Nurkic at center? And, and what does that look like? How do they make it happen? Is it, is it reasonable to expect that of Durant? I don't know if it'll be something that we see at that extreme in the regular season, but we'll probably start to see different combos and styles to get comfortable with. OK, maybe the Suns play the Warriors and all of a sudden Durant's playing 28, 30 minutes as the center in that type of a series and, and they need to be ready for that. But I don't know if we get there. What do you think?
1: I think that's definitely something that I have, um, not necessarily in my my three for this episode, but something that generally I'm keeping an eye on. And that's just lineups. And obviously with the lineups, the small ball being maybe the premier thing to look for. I don't think they necessarily get to a point where KD is like the main state five. And I know you're not saying him as like the starting five, but as in, play, as in him playing more minutes than Nurkic at the five. I think it's more effective when it's a counter punch, or even if it's like a like a change-up to dictate with. Teams are anticipating this, or teams are getting this versus this lineup, and then you put this out there, and now they have to solve that. I think that's a riddle that most teams are not going to be able to solve when the Suns are optimizing the different lineup types that they could use with KD at the five. But I think that's where the Thaddeus Young um, piece bridging that gap, not necessarily having to go to Eubanks and not necessarily always having to go directly to the rent will help with that. And like you said, the the positional versatility, in addition to the lineup of versatility that Royce O'Neill and Thad Young bring, helps to navigate and bring more nuance to those lineups rather than it being just black and white. We only have this lineup that's the death lineup with small ball, and that's it. Now they have a yeah. couple of different combinations with that they can go to.
0: I'm pretty sure Frank Vogel would take issue. It's It's the laser lineup. We don't take the Warriors. Uh, we don't take the Warriors' nickname around these parts. But no, I, I, I hear you for sure. I think uh, this number is interesting to me, and I said a part of it yesterday, more from an offensive standpoint. But the big three plus Nurkic right now had uh, three hundred and thirty-five minutes at the break, plus twelve point seven net rating. Mm-hmm. The big three with Nurkic off. 105 minutes, which a lot of those were probably small. I don't think Eubanks plays much with all three of those guys, plus 9.7. So they're almost three points better per hundred possessions with Nurkic on with the big three versus the big three without Nurkic. And what's interesting is most of that actually is on offense. The defense has, for whatever reason, been able to hold up with Nurkic off the court and those three guys on, whereas it's really the offense that offense that soars when all four of those dudes have been able to play together so I guess it's just something to keep in mind as we're watching this where we think of okay they're going to the the laser lineup or whatever the new combos might be with that to your point and that's to juice the offense that's like oh we're playing the kings and we really got to do it let's go to this lineup and then we see the Suns dominate but really their offense has been has been just as good, if not better, with Nurkic out there because of the passing, because of the, you know, drawing help and playmaking out of that that you said to start your point, all those things. So I guess it's not as simple as if you want defense, Nurkic is in there. If you want offense, you take them off. Like that's not really the way to think about it, like some teams with their small ball units, where it's like we have the center, like the the Knicks, right? People wanting to see Julius Randle at center. Mm-hmm. That would be the whole other direction. We're going to just score. When Mitchell Robinson's out there, now we're playing defense. It's not really like that. So mm-hmm. I guess how they how they construct and, and whether those numbers change will be a, a big thing to watch. But let's get to our second thing to zero in on down the stretch of the Suns' season coming up next. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. What does that mean? Well, that's $150 straight to your account if your bet wins, just on the house. I'm looking at the Suns line on Thursday in Dallas, which I will be watching from an airplane. Hopefully, if I can get that to work. They are three-point underdogs. The over-under for the total score is 243. I kind of like that. Those are both, as I just mentioned in the last segment, two of the more accurate shooting offenses. We know they can both get hot. Both of their games recently have had pretty high scores. No matter what you bet on, whether it is that line or the quick bets, same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more courtesy of FanDuel, you can win that extra 150 bucks. When you shoot your shot, visit fanduelcom slash locked on to get started. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Today's show also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is where I got my job. It is where millions of people have gotten their jobs. And when you're hiring on the other end of that for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for your role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just another job job board, right? You can go onto another website and you're going to see the listing, the description. That's sort of it. You don't know anything about it. You don't know who works there. You don't really know much of the details or what the company's all about. But with LinkedIn, you have all that info in one place. You can find the other people, including maybe the hiring manager that you're wanting to get a hold of. That's what happened with me. I knew the company. I knew I wanted the job but I was able to get a lot more info. I was able to contact the people involved and it went a long way. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire, but that's why they make it quicker and easier. They help you write job descriptions. They give you your candidates all in one place. And that's why 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Stephen. What is the second thing you're looking at down the stretch of the Sun season?
1: Uh, the second thing I'm looking at is going to be how many turnovers they can force from opponents. At the moment, they're at averaging opponents are averaging 13 turnovers a game, which is 22nd in the NBA. And I think this one ties a lot into the general tempo and pace and flow um, topic that the Suns have offensively where they spend a lot of time in the half court. They're one of the teams that spends, I think, their bottom five or top five, however you want to look at it, in terms of how much time they spend in the half court. And a way to mitigate that is by upping the activity levels and forcing turnovers, allowing yourself to, if not play directly in transition, flow into your secondary break pistol actions, get into the handoff actions and things of that nature with use of Nurkic, and just generally having the defense scrambling with matchups that they don't necessarily want on a per player basis. So figuring out how to up those turnovers. And I think that ties directly in with the additions of Thaddeus Young and Royce O'Neal as well, two of the higher deflection, high communication, um, high positioning and understanding of how to use your hands and gain leverage and get, get activity and get deflections and steals. to ultimately afford a team with the high octane offense, like the Suns to play um, in transition and with floor on offense. So looking at how they can up the any. And that respect is going to be important to Gage as well.
0: Yeah, anybody who listens or, or watches every day will have heard me like almost going through the mental gymnastics in my head on this yesterday because, um, and that's why I love having you on, because we think about this stuff and and look at a lot of the same things, I think. And I was like, I know the number has improved since the beginning of the season in terms of turnover percentage forced. By the Suns' defense, but I was trying to sort it and do all these things in, in real time on the show, and I was like, it's not working out for me. But I, di- I i got it pre-show today, back to what I had originally seen that that put that idea in my head, which is, since Christmas, the Suns are sixth in net rating period, they're second in offense, they're eighth in defense, they are nineteen and eight. That's that's like if you want to convince anybody the Suns have a shot to win a title this year, like show them that. But they've also forced more turnovers, and that's I think a big part of why that, that defense has improved. Um, it's not elite; it's thirteen point four percent of opponent possessions, and that's about middle of the pack in the NBA. But that's a big improvement from where they had been, and it's it's probably the single most thing about this team that differentiates from what you would expect of a Frank Vogel team, right? Like that's always been one of the hallmarks of how his defenses have worked and I think one of the reasons people might have had a little bit of a confused reaction when they hired him because it's like hold on you're hiring a guy to coach a team with where point of attack defense is one of the biggest weaknesses now you could say okay well the coaches should be able to improve that but I think as we've seen that's easier said than done you can't make somebody good at at a quality or you can't make Josh Akogi more playable like there's only so much you can really do but if they can emphasize that more be maybe a little more risk-taking be more on a string to just sort of create those team team force turnovers I think all those little things will start to add up and again with this Suns defense to me and I don't know about you it's like my expectation is not not elite it's it's good enough and it's functional in certain ways that will work in a playoff setting so I, I absolutely uh echo you on that one that that has to happen I think
1: I think I think the in my opinion, coming into the season, I said top 12 defensively. Uh, and that's non-garbage time in this, uh, just general defensive rating and the things that consist with a team that's top 12 on the defensive end. And in that, being a timely stop team more than anything else. And I think that's where the scheme versatility that players like that Young and Royce O'Neal bring in addition to the lineup versatility to give them a different look and ultimately get to attacking our offense versus always being back and drop and reacting. Being able to do that more with more athletes on the floor and make the rotations they need with bigger, more active athletes as well is
0: going to be important. I'll I'll save my last one for – I have two that kind of go together, so we'll do those together and we'll get to your last one in the last segment. But to stay on this for a second, Mm -hmm. does it – what is your explanation or like what's your read on why – let's say November or so, like I remember the Thunder game that Beal played in where the Suns lost at home or the Wolves game where they won. Some of those which were right around the same portion of the season. They were playing some pretty adventurous schemes. You know, zone a lot more, which feels like we almost never see this team play zone lately. Some like almost box-in-one type of stuff, using KD in different ways, putting him in different places in that zone. And that's almost all gone away. But obviously, like I'm not necessarily saying that as a bad thing because their defense has held up anyway. Why do you think they went away from that stuff? Do you have a, a guess on that?
1: I think because of the injuries that they saw early in the season and just the lack of continuity, which is obviously was going to be a hurdle when you overhaul everything the, except for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, essentially. There's going to be a high variance, and there's going to be like a learning curve in addition to that as far as results come. So Frank, I'm not going to say he was searching, but he was just really trying to figure out, okay, what strikes the core of this roster I have right now? And that's obviously kind of throwing a rock in the pond just to find something when you don't have your full anticipated rotation at your disposal as a coach. So it's really just kind of figuring out, okay, what works for this team? Can they run a little bit of zone in pockets? If not, okay, we got to figure out something else. Um, and that's that's really just what it kind of felt like to me. It didn't really feel like the opponents they were going against were dictating to them in that respect. It really just felt like, uh, like Frank and company were really just trying to figure out, okay, can this team do this? Can this team do that? Um, uh, obviously, we saw against a team like Atlanta when they were in Atlanta last month, they were going to they were in, uh, I think 15, which is just all out switching. And obviously we saw Nurkic a lot on Trey Young. That did not work to their favor. They didn't have the requisite rotations needed around that. And we also saw, like you mentioned, and you kind of alluded to Kevin Durant at the five against a bonus to close out multiple times. We saw the results that got. So it's all just collecting data and figuring out what works for this team, what doesn't. And I think there's going to be a little bit more experimenting with that Young and Royce O'Neal in the rotation. Two defensive-minded guys that have a lot of high-character – accountability on the defensive side of the floor in addition to the communication dynamic
0: well I'll put it this way then and I think that's a great explanation for it and and again it, it's not so much like a nitpick as much as an observation I, I don't think it's wrong and Frank Vogel I, you know I'm who am I to, to say what's right and wrong on a defense for uh, compared to him but mm-hmm. I want to see that adventurousness come back down the stretch because I think they're going to need that you know they're they're not going to be a team that can just rely on, all right, these are our eight guys. This is how we play. Let's go win four playoff rounds. That's not That's not going to get it done. So I hope that having more vets in the roster, ideally, fingers crossed, more health. I think, you know, like to me, it's not even about to rant with like a zone, for instance, but I think that's a great way to, to mix it up with how Nurkic can be impactful. And some of these more long, Guys that they've been able to throw out there, you know, like obviously a Kogi's somebody who in a more basic defense can just cause problems. But picking and choosing based on the personnel and, and trying to maximize what each group does and how they can be great at it. It's not a lot of time, uh, but let's hope that they have enough time to do that at least. All right. My last two, Steven's last one key to close the season coming up next. First, today's show brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. All right, Steven, let's close it out. So my last kind of pair of, of things to watch for are a little bigger picture here, which are one... How do they play in close games? And two, what seed do they get? And that that obviously is like what everybody's looking for for every team. That's what the last stretch run is for. But let's start with the beginning of that, which is the close game aspect. And one of the things that I think has gotten a little bit swept under the rug about their fourth quarter struggles, which I talked a lot about as a surprise on the first show in this little duo, is the fourth quarter problems a lot of the time have been giving up leads – or letting deficits get bigger. But the Suns are actually middle of the pack in terms of clutch net rating. Now, it's still in the negative, which is not what you want to see, but it's not this tire fire problem. It's They're 14 and 15 in clutch games, and they have a minus 4.8 net rating. So that has to get better, and you would expect that should be a strength of this team with those three guys that they have as their big three, but that feels like a, a a little bit of a distinction that I think fans might not realize. So can they keep building on that? The fourth quarter stuff, it's going to suck all season. They dug themselves such a big hole. Those numbers are going to look bad. Everybody's going to throw it in their first round previews and try to make a big deal of it. But if they can get better at, at clutch situations, especially with some big opponents on the schedule and games they need to win if they want to move up the standings, that's something that I'm looking at. And I think... Am I wrong to just say I kind of think that figures itself out based on the talent and kind of the way that this roster's been built? Like, if they can't figure that out, like, what's this all for, you know? That's that's what they should be great at.
1: Yeah, I think, as with anything statistical, one, you have to look for context with it. So, obviously, the Suns' context being that the Big 3 wasn't all, they weren't all playing for, I would say, probably half of, The great majority of the issue, the issue portion of um, the fourth quarter struggles early in the season, it was one of the one of the big three was always out, if not two. Um, For example, I'm looking at that game against the Lakers where Kevin Durant um, took another step in the all time scoring list. And there was no Bradley Bill or Devin Booker out there with them that had a lead in the fourth quarter against the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers came back and won that game. Are you going to apply that context when looking at things big three? Uh, align with the big three, are you just going to lump it all in and just say this is their issue? So I think the context in terms of that needs to be applied, like you were kind of alluding to. And then the other part of that is just kind of looking at where they are in terms of of continuity. That's obviously something that was going to be a disadvantage for them all season, also ties into the injuries a little bit. So if they can continue to sustain on-court time together, they're going to certainly figure those things out in addition to them having the margins around them improved and Frank Vogel figuring out what pieces on the margins fit best around them to construct lineups for this issue or this issue or that issue or this issue. It's all part of the problem solving in terms of them putting the puzzle pieces together. And they've clearly shown, taken it, shown that they've taken steps over the last what two, three weeks in the fourth quarter specifically. There's been those little moments where it's like a little bit of a scare, but they never fully revert back to what kind of dug them a hole early in the season, and that's progress in and of itself.
0: I'm sure you've talked about it or written about it somewhere, but what did you think of how they closed against the Warriors? They obviously lose that game. The last play gets a lot of attention, but what did you think? Because that feels like a pretty good test. Another team at full peak strength. I know Chris Paul's out, but rolling as a team. Big game. Everybody brought it. Everybody's pretty much playing well. How do you feel like they kind of acquitted themselves in that game?
1: I think that was a template in addition to the game that came after that against the Sacramento Kings, where not just Royce O'Neal, but also Thaddeus Young would have been the literal perfect option in terms of pieces at Frank Vogel's disposal to have in a game like that. You don't want to necessarily have Nurkic out there because obviously he's a target for teams to go out and pick and roll. And especially a team that goes not just pick and roll by high movement or high volume like the Golden State Warriors do. So that was an issue. But then also having somebody like like Royce out there obviously didn't play in that first game. That was his very first game as a son. He could have definitely been used in that in that game. And I think he was plus maybe 13, if I'm not mistaken, in that game or plus four. It was either plus four or plus 13. I get get confused between that game and the Kings game off the top of my head. But he was a major plus in the short span of minutes and 13 minutes in that game. If they gave him an extra four, that would have certainly changed things. Just seeing how effective he was defensively with his communication, positioning, wrecking havoc, all of that fun stuff. So being able to have those pieces at his disposal is certainly going to help in those moments going forward.
0: All right. So do you have a guess or an expectation on seed? Do, do you do you uh, distract yourself with these things this early? Where Where do you expect them to land?
1: Well, I think it's a very healthy exercise to kind of examine what you think might be the best route for a team that you might be covering, but also what's the most likely in addition, because that's not always the same thing. And right now, the the Suns being in fifth, I'm not sure if they're necessarily going to be able to rise much because of the distance created early in the season by those top four seeds. Uh, So I think they're kind of in a box. I think it's at this point just being at your best. I think you don't construct this roster trying to um, handpick matchups going through the playoffs. You construct this roster and you bring in the head coach with a recent championship like Frank Vogel thinking that if you have all your main pieces in rotation that you can go and be anybody at home or on their floor in a seven game series, it might take seven, it might take six, it might take five, it might only be four, but you plan on being confident with the roster you have going up against whoever, East or Western Conference. So, I don't think they'll necessarily be looking at matchups like that. I do think they there's a couple matchups that might not necess- they might not necessarily want to go against early in the in the playoffs. Like obviously Dallas, I mean not Dallas, obviously the Denver Nuggets, the reigning champs. But I also don't think they would want to go against the Los Angeles Clippers in the very first round. But again, when you have those pieces they have at the top of their roster, you know, you go into those matchups with confidence and you roll the dice from there.
0: All right. What's your last uh key thing to watch down the stretch?
1: Yeah, my last thing to watch is the offensive process. So I started off with the shot profile thing. That obviously ties itself in with that. But seeing how they go about um, stringing together in succession sets and actions, the pace at which they're moving in the half court, and how much of the continuity is going to help to keep them in the advantage. So the first thing I'm thinking about is how is Yusuf Nurkic featured? Is he only going to be a screener? Is he only going to be setting, you know, screens off the ball and on the ball and pick and roll? Or are you going to add a little bit more nuance to his usage where you pitching it to him in a post? That's naturally bringing the center away from the basket from an opposing team. And now you have that layer underneath the basket to work with in terms of cutting and in terms of having somebody like Kevin Durant post up underneath that, like we've seen a couple of times. And to manipulate spacing with Nurkic, having a four-out-one-in type of offense when he's on the floor, seeing how they can better process him into their offensive attack and being able to get the most out of the skills that he brings, which is one of our highest speed in terms of processing of the game at the center position, in addition to an ability to make the passes that you need with players and movement around his post touches and his elbow touches. So seeing how he's used, but also seeing how the Suns continue to manipulate not just matchups, but also space around the floor. We've seen a couple of times over the last month and a half or so that they get into their handoff actions in Zoom, um, but they take Nurkish out of that action. And a couple of times we've seen it with the big three. A couple of the times we've seen it with two of the big three and, let's say, Grayson Allen. And you go small in that action, you're able to manipulate a switch into an advantageous uh, matchup that you want out of that. And we saw, for example, Bradley Bill have opportunities at Luka Doncic in that last game against the Mavericks. Just by manipulating space, by taking Nurkic out of that action and doing the same type of thing, just doing it with three smalls, it ups the pace and makes the defense react to it. And it gets you in a position that you ultimately want to get to anyway from that action, which is just getting the advantageous matchup. So seeing how they go about those things in addition to a few others is going to really be what kind of piques my interest going down the home stretch of the season.
0: Yeah. I've, uh, I have do the other national NBA podcast, just the just basketball show. And on that one, uh, you know, we don't have the same limitations on, on cursing. So I won't be able to fully say what <laughs> I said on that about the sun's offense, but Basically, I the way I described some of what you're saying although you're you're much better at breaking it down than me is to say that I want to see it go from a a woe offense where you're impressed to a holy you know what offense where you're like blown away and kind of like dazzled by the the nuance to it, the the smarts to what they're doing. So, we know Kevin Durant even if it's let's say Denver, he could probably score on Aaron Gordon. But what if he didn't have to, right? Or like what if uh, he starts out on Gordon but they mess with something so that you that that Jokic is having to help. Like a lot of the stuff we got used to with Chris Paul just being able to do it and we don't even notice it. We might notice it now cuz it's not going to be as smooth, but I do think that they have the IQ to still get there and it's funny, you know, we were talking about the defensive side of things and how the more experimental that they were early in the season This is going to sound stupid because I don't think the team was better by any means. They literally weren't. Obviously, they lost a lot of games. They were getting pummeled by certain teams and whatever. But the version of the team where Nurkic was basically the point guard, Durant was the scorer, and everybody else just kind of had to hustle and play defense, it was not a very good squad. It would have probably finished like 30 wins, 35, 40 wins. But it made more sense. You know what I mean? It just sort of like that I get. I understand what the job is there for everybody on the on the court whereas now it's just it's more complicated. That that's a good problem to have, but it is it is different. Um and so I think again th- this final stretch will be about manipulating those things and 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 figuring it all out, but that's why you change coaches, that's why you make trades and try to get the personnel closer to what it is. So I think we are all very excited to see it. That will wrap us up for the day, folks. You can read Steven's work over at right Side of the Sun. Watch him, listen to him at PHNX on his YouTube channel, on his Twitter account, which is going to be linked in the show description and, of course, on the screen if you're on YouTube. I will be back for one more show on Thursday. I will also have a game preview for you of Sun's Mavs, and then we will be off to the races for the second half of the season. So hit follow or subscribe if you haven't already, and I will catch you guys then.